Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 108. And joining me in Studio C at MotorWeek Central today are our writer-producer, two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. And our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. What is up? And our writer, Patrick Lucas. How's it going, everybody? Well, we've got our lightning round, a viewer question, of course. But first, let's get into the cars that are the stars. And for that, Patrick, you're fresh back from the L.A. Auto Show. And yep. we've done it. we did a segment on the show, but That's we really right. haven't had a chance to talk to you in, on the microphone about what was hot right. there. So give us a, a quick rundown of what impressed right. you most at L.A. Let me wipe the sleep away from my eyes, get the jet lag out of my yeah, system. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest headline that I saw, which I saw right after I got off the plane, was the uh, Shelby GT350 Mustang. Uh, really cool looking in person. Um, sounded great. They were kind of doing, you know, some, they were being pretty showy, doing some yeah. donuts on the little show floor or whatever. Uh, sounded great. Looks great. Um, I can't wait to drive it. Um, we also saw the Explorer, 2016 Explorer, which isn't totally new, but. Um, it's a fairly substantial revamp. Right. The yeah. look, you would definitely recognize it as an Explorer still, though. Um, Cadillac, speaking of high performance, ATSV, um, Both in the coupe and sedan at yeah, the same which time, which looked is unusual. really, really cool in person, very substantial looking. Um, the Audi Prologue concept, which I read was going to be an A9, but I don't know what well, their plans are it, for it's it. Supposedly, now it was a coupe, right? Um, the, the Prologue was a was a coupe and they're talking about the, the styling though carrying over to a new a you know four, yeah it definitely four-door a9 it or, definitely or has not. the proportions it could a work. new flagship it could, yeah definitely it could be it could work as coupe or sedan right. um on the much smaller scale mazda cx3 which i think will probably be a pretty big seller for them um looked exactly like what do you think it would look like right. a, a small cx5 cx5 did um, they uh preview the upgrade to or the updated face to the like uh at mazda 6 and something yeah else. the 6 and the cx5 yeah. got revamped uh face and headlights and taillights mm-hmm. were they moving away from the extreme design they've used the last few years or did you think it was just tweaked a little bit or to me personally walking by it and taking brief glances at it um it looked tweaked it didn't look like they were moving away from the design it looked you know modern enough mm-hmm. but you it doesn't strike you as new right away uh getting and i guess green car of the year was the i8 i3 i3 sorry yeah. i8 would have been a better i8, I8 yeah. would have been I interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> i3 i can't wrap my hands around the i3 it's just such a ugly little beast I guess. I don't know. Greg, you spend the most time in it, right? Yeah. Everybody it. says, everybody loves it. I haven't driven it. Yeah, it's I, it's hard to complain about it once you've driven it. But, uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's tough to look at. and um, But I can easily see why I won Green Car of the Year. I mean, it's a, it's a it's great a lot, It's a lot of energy saving on a small um, package. Speaking of green cars, there's a lot of hydrogen uh, yeah. hoopla at the L.A. Auto Show. Um, the Production Toyota. Toyota. Right, the, the Mirai. I believe that's close how you pronounce it. Um, very weird looking car. Yeah, I mean they've been showing us concepts for what since 2009 or somewhere uh-huh. about, but I guess this one's going into production. Um, well, it looks like a normal sedan just with weird right. body treatments to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know much about the powertrain, but they had one of those skeleton cutouts of just the powertrain and the drivetrain, nothing else. Um, 
it seems like fascinating technology. I know Volkswagen's going to try to do it with a golf wagon version. Um, California first. Right. Because they're the only ones that have any fueling stations. Audi is going to do an A7 with hydrogen power. So I don't know. We'll see if they take off or not. That's interesting that hydrogen is starting to catch just as there was a report uh, that the French are actually going to move away from diesels. The uh, current (laughs) French government has said that diesels are too polluting. 80% of all privately owned cars in France are diesel-powered because they they give them a cut on taxes. So they're going to start taking the tax advantage away from diesel. And I'm not sure what they're going to force people into. I assume they're going to force them back into gasoline vehicles. But it's like, here we go again. Just when <laughs> when the Europeans have been telling us diesel was the answer and we were silly to, to stick with uh, gasoline. It'll certainly cut down on the noise there. I mean, all you hear is just diesel it's clatter. All over That's there. true. That's very true. Uh, you touched on the GT350, which really, you know, is the first – uh, Shelby, uh, since uh, Carol Shelby passed away, uh, although by your report it, it, it has long lost nothing in the translation, but what I was getting at awkwardly here <laughs> is that we talked on a previous podcast about, of course, the all-new um, 2015 Ford Mustang, and now around the office we've actually all had a chance to drive both the V8 and the EcoBoost four-cylinder. So, you know, we, we had the taste, the test that was based largely on Brian Robinson's experience and the fact that some of us had seen it at auto shows. Now we've all had a chance to really thoroughly get into a couple of them. I don't think anybody that I can tell has changed their opinion, but how about things that struck you having spent more time in the car that maybe we didn't touch on in the road test? Anybody? Um, I think just from looking at it uh, in person, it it's much better looking in person it looks really fast really sleek and certainly meaner very modern yeah very mean and that was the first thing that that i got out of it um driving it it was uh everything that i expected the uh five liter is always great and uh, and the gt that we had and uh, the interior is updated too wow. it's it's more modern and they, the interior is just flat out terrific i yeah, mean it I the agree. pictures looked good but to get in it and to touch the toggle switches and uh, there was a little bit that little bit of machining on the dash of the the gt we had was a little much but and a little too faux but gosh what a nice upgrade to the interior yeah i can agree with uh, everything about the interior i mean it's pretty close to audi like in there yeah with all the surfaces and everything you touch i didn't think ford had it on them the only truth. thing it's not you know just spending some time in the challenger that we had in recently dodge challenger there really isn't a whole lot of space in there i mean Mm -hmm. they made it a little roomier but it's still it's tight fit yeah especially in the back seat there's really no room back there you could almost fit some people back there in the challenger comfortably but uh it's really just a two-person car in the mustang yeah fit and finish though was very good uh even the trunk was finished off nicely the car had a very solid feel as a matter of fact heresy here you know, this is the the first Mustang with a, uh, well, I should say, the first non super duper Mustang that's got an independent rear suspension. I really, if if you if I was somehow blindfolded in driving, I felt like I was in something about a notch or two up, like a Corvette. It had that kind of responsiveness to it. So I was very surprised. It, I think they did a great job. Yeah, it's, it's hard to complain. Mm-hmm. 
All right, moving on. Um, we ha- also have another Speaking car that's on our uh, <laughs> plate, and uh, this is a horse of a different color. In this case, it was kind of a passion purple. Uh, the Mitsubishi <clears throat> Mirage. Uh, Mitsubishi has brought the Mirage back into the U.S. market. The last time it was uh, here was uh, 91. It's their small subcompact. It's a five-door uh, all the press reports you've seen of it probably show either uh, some kind of weird color. Ours was purple. Maybe that's fitting because of the Ravens. I don't know. Anyway, throw it out there. Mitsubishi Mirage, too little, too late, interesting, nice to see they're still in the game. What do you think of this city car, basic transportation at L? Uh, I think it's you know, great to see that they're still in the game. Uh, for basic transportation, the base model starts at 13 and change. Um, that's a good price. And yeah, for that, that price, it's a great car. Three cylinder engine gets good gas mileage at the time when it came out last year it was the best nine hybrid fuel economy you could get. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still the case uh, a year later, but, uh, yeah, mid forties fuel economy. And, uh, at that price, it's good. The model we had was the upgraded ES, which was over 16. Yeah. At that point, maybe it's not so great. Um, there's cars out there that have more features, more comfort for the same amount of money. But uh, you know, I, I'm a lot of people that reviewed this car were not very nice to it. And after having read those, I, I sort of expected to get into something that I would take an instant dislike to. But for what it was, and the price it was, and the fact that this is the first mass-produced car from Thailand, and think back about what the first cars in from korea were like and how bad they were i thought it was a pretty decent car um we found a couple of flaws in fit and finish like the uh, airbag cover on the passenger side but then when we had another one in to do my intro to the car standing next to it it actually had that problem solved it looked fine so i didn't see a whole lot to complain about it it is what it is it's pretty basic transportation but i should add basic transportation with automatic climate control standard which is pretty unusual yeah it's it's one of those cars that's not for everyone it's not really for me but uh i don't live in the city anymore and greg is quite tall i should say (laughs) yeah and it's it's good i think they're targeting the millennials and it's because it's it's cheap it's affordable and millennials millennials don't really have the money yet and they've also got all the crazy colors and that's what it's what it's all about now. Everybody wants to be diff- different and 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 show off their uh, their personalities with their cars. So it's I can understand it in in that standpoint. But um. and you know uh, Brian touched on it. Uh, the fuel economy. We didn't even try very hard, and we got over forty four miles per gallon. And I remember that when we did our comparison test years ago of the Prius, putting it through all sorts of hoops, it got forty five. So, you know, it really is, you know, it was pretty decent fuel economy, and you didn't, and you had a, still had a back seat. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, something like a smart. Yeah, but I didn't mind driving it. It's, I mean, it's built. Very to nice a, ride. To, it's built to a purpose, and so if, if that's the purpose you need a vehicle for, I, I think it's perfect. Any other comments? Mitsubishi's still around. They're opening new dealers. Good for them. Competition's like always good. Yeah. Hopefully they'll open one around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little, little difficult to get one when we need one. All righty. We're going to turn now to um, our lightning round, and this is where all of us sitting here have about two minutes to debate a trending topic. And when we get to the end of that two minutes, you're going to hear this. Patrick with the bell. Here we go. <laughs> Pickup sales are booming. It's America, you know. 
And uh, our panelists, uh, I want you everybody to start thinking about it. Why? Is this anticipation of the new all-aluminum F-150? Uh, are there other innovations in the segment? Does it correlate simply with cheaper gas prices? Are there more incentives right now? Why are pickup trucks doing better than ever? Does this take into account, like, pre-sale for the F-150? Everything, I can't imagine yeah. why someone would buy a truck in anticipation. Well, of, they want to hurry up and buy up all the steel ones for the aluminum ones coming yeah, out. Yeah. They have to drive around in a beer can. Okay. Right. I, to point that out, this well, weekend I saw an advertisement not not in down where I was uh, over the, the weekend for a four-door F-150, so a crew cab F-150. I don't know what trim it was. It couldn't have been too high up, but it was twenty three five at this dealer. And really? I thought, wow, I That's, looked it up. That would have been about 32,000 yeah. uh, MSRP. Yeah. Anyway. I'll yeah. start the timer now. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. uh, I mean, one of the reasons could be just the fact that there's been what the new Sierra, new Silverado, all the Revamp GM pickups. The, yeah, I mean, everything, small GM everything's pickups. new. That combined with the rest of the automotive industry is booming. Um, people are just naturally drawn to pickup trucks, especially in this area. Um, and yeah, I mean, the gas prices, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. It seems like as soon as it goes down a few cents, everybody's, you know, going out to buy Hummers like Benny D or <laughs> it's, I, you know, I think it's a combination of those three things. I guess every other commercial you see is for a pickup truck, whether yeah. Chevy or Ford, uh, Ram. I'm not sure if that plays into it or not, but they're definitely aiming for the sales. And it, I think you're, you know, Greg touched on it. There's just been a lot of updates recently. Um, you know, whether it's a fuel economy, comfort, you know, if you've got a 90s pickup or whatever, there's, you know, it's definitely time to upgrade. And it's it's football season, too, so that's we're getting <laughs> bombarded by ads <laughs> of pickup trucks. So. Well, I think that um, you drive a lot of other sedans that compete with, you know, six, seven, eight other cars in their segment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to nitpick about and a lot to like and dislike. But with the pickups, there's, you know, three or four really big main pickups That's right. and they're all pretty much refreshed or new within the last couple of years and they're all really good so i mean i i think if you go out and drive any of them you're going to be impressed by it yeah having now driven the uh the new f-150 and there's a lot to be impressed about but on the other hand if somebody offered me a, a 14 for 23.5 that was decently equipped and it would haul around the same kind of stuff it's pretty darn attractive and there are some very substantial pickup truck uh, incentives out there right now. So I'd like, um, I personally think America's love affair with the pickup truck is going to continue, and I don't see anything stopping it. And now that the uh, Colorado and Canyon are back in the midsize yeah. game, uh, imagine that'll only continue. I heard they got some cool technology and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> no. they have a, they have a diesel coming too. Uh, All right. Let's move on now to our mailbag, and we have a viewer question from Ben, not our Ben. All right, Ben. Ben says he recently downsized from a Toyota Sienna to a Mazda 3 Grand Touring hatchback. He thought he didn't need the extra room anymore, but he's found the seats in the Mazda 3 to be cramped and hurting his back. Uh, He's bought an aftermarket seat cushion. It helped a little, but not enough. Do we have any recommendations on seat cushions, possible seat replacement from somebody like Recaro or others? What would you do if you were Ben? Uh, There's plenty of seats available, but, I mean, the problem is how do you know it's going to be any better? I mean, most of the seats available are, you know, for sporting reasons. I'm not sure that they're going to be a lot more comfortable. So uh, I really don't know. I would go to a very good upholstery shop. Find one that does nothing but upholstery. Don't go to the dealer. 
but you can find out who the dealer uses and talk to them about putting in some extra material, you know, into the lower back or an inflatable bladder. There's all kind of aftermarket kits that the upholstery shops can get their hands on that have seat heat, uh, inflatable bladders, all sorts of things that you could maybe put in and then have some control over the amount of... uh, uh, pressure in the back uh, and to help you out. The problem I've got with going to an aftermarket seat is you might lose something else in the process. Maybe it'll have too much uh, side support uh, bolstering like a, a Recaro's, which tend to be very tight, and you could even lose some of the seat uh, functions like tilt. So yeah. I talked to a, an upholstery shop. Anybody uh, else have experience? Some, the only problem that I have with all those aftermarket stuff is they look so cheap and they look so like, they just look ugly. Especially if you're trying to, I don't know, if you care about how your car looks inside and out. So you, are that, you talking about the add-on Well, you're right. So is what you're talking about sewn into the... Oh, they would put... Yeah, the, I'm okay. talking about something. You go to an upholstery shop, okay. they take the cover nice. off, okay. they put a bladder in there, or they put the electric grid in there. Now, the controls sometimes look a little cheap, like you're talking about, because right. they'll drill a hole in the dash and stick it there. Uh, some manufacturers uh, like GM actually have kits for seat heat and stuff, but there's got to be a solution there that will probably maintain the motions of the seats you've got mm-hmm. uh, and give you more comfort. But a real upholstery shop, I think that's where you ought to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody else? Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, if you don't want to spend the money right away, just spend time messing with the seat. I mean, seats, I don't know, you know how how – maneuverable your seat is in terms of uh of lumbar yeah. and, and and however you can move it around but i from personal experience it's hard for me to get comfortable in the cars that we're in and out of every day because i can never find that sweet spot of where i want to sit and it's only when i get back into my personal car that i feel really comfortable so it's just you know sometimes it's as easy as taking 20 minutes and 10 minutes and just figuring mm-hmm. out where exactly that sweet spot is genius yeah, agreed. There it is. Ba- failing that though, talk to a, a, an expert instead of people like us. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up. Thank you, Ben. Uh, wraps up our Motor Week podcast number one hundred and eight. I want to give a special thanks to the man who always makes sure that we sound terrific. Our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood. He's the guy behind the scenes. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, otherwise known as the Man with the Bell. Thank all of you for listening to our podcast and for watching Motor Week on public television stations nationwide and also the Velocity Cable Network. Till next time, I'm John Davis. Take care out there, and thanks for catching us all on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.